God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from New Life with campuses in Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala. Here's Pastor Jeff Baker. We're going to kick off a brand new teaching series called Body Armor. Body Armor. And I know some of you are out there and you're like, hey, I wear body armor. Like, I have the actual clothing line. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are like, hey, I drink body armor. That's not what I'm talking about either. So the body armor that we're going to talk about needs some serious branding, okay? And I'm going to help you get there for that. Uh, but to get started, I don't know if you guys, but did anybody watch any, like, Iron Man movies? Ant-Man movies? Come on. Come on. You, you, don't, you can still cheer. You know, you don't, it's not, you know, no one's going to laugh at you, all right? Iron Man, Ant-Man, Batman. How about Batman? Anybody? All right, now we got some people. Okay, you know what? You know what all three of them have in common? And by the way, this does not end in a really bad dad joke, by the way. You know what all three of them have in common? They all have to put on a suit to be amazing. They all of it. Like, think, about, like, think about the suits. They all have to put these suits on to be amazing. How long would the movies be if they didn't put on the suits? It'd be like five minutes. Five minutes. It's like it, before it even gets started, it's over. Like the, the enemies of the universe come and they crush them in seconds. But with those suits, they become amazing. Okay, so maybe you're not, you don't live in that sci fi land like so many of us do. Maybe you live in the real world. Think about football with me. If you watch, did you watch a football game? College or professional? Can you imagine a player getting out there and going, nope, I'm not wearing any of this gear? I'm not wearing a helmet. I'm not wearing any of these shoulder pads. Can you imagine? How long would they last on the field? Minutes. You would be cringing if they got the ball. If they had the ball, you would cringe. You would turn away from the TV. Some of you would lean in because you're sick like that, right? But others of you would turn away and be like, just tell me what happens. Does he go off on a stretcher? Yes, he does. Okay, I thought that's what would happen, right? Because they need gear to play the game. I think about our soldiers, uh, you know, our, our military that has all of this gear, this weaponry, uh, this true body armor that deflects bullets. Uh, I mean, I think about all of the night vision that they have, all of the gear that our soldiers have so that when they go into the battle, they can defeat the enemy. I don't know about you, but I would not want to sign up for the military if they said to me, hey, by the way, by the way, we are going to, you know, save the world, and we're going to do it with rocks and sticks. So come on, sign up. It's amazing. And we have the GI Bill if you live, right? You can go to college afterwards. I mean, I would not want to do that. Like, I wouldn't want to go fight our enemies with rocks and sticks. That kind of enemy is going to get ran over. So we've got a great, a great military with incredible, incredible body armor. Well, if it's true for all of those scenarios then it's also true for the Christian. The Christian needs to have the right body armor, the right body armor to do a number of things. One, to please God. Two, to love in a world full of hate. You need the right body armor to share the love of Jesus in a world that's anti-Jesus. And you need the right body armor so that, so that you can push back the enemy and you can actually defeat the enemy. Come on, somebody. Like, we need the armor of God so that we can be victorious in this spiritual battle called life over an enemy who is real and coming against you. Therefore, therefore, as your pastor, 
I want to help you understand the armor of God, the body armor that God has for us. And this is found in a classic passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. I just want you to kind of follow along with me as we look at the total package of Scripture that then we're going to take and break down. Take a look at it with me. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, it says this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, in light of all of that, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Amen to that. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For what? For all believers everywhere. I think first and foremost... You need to understand this is the passage. We're we're building out of this passage. So if you're wanting to study something over the next few weeks, study that. Dig into that, okay? Read articles written about the body armor of God. Study it, okay? Because we're going to dissect it over the next few weeks. But I think the first question we need to start with is the why question. Why? Why, God, do we need to put on this armor so we can defeat an enemy when we worship the God who created all things? Why can't we just go into battle standing behind the general being God and just let him fight all the battles? Why, God, do we need to put on this armor when we worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords? And I think that's a valid question. And I think the answer to that question is found over the next few things that I want to discuss with you. The why, though, comes right back out of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going back into it again. Okay, verses 10 and 11, which we just read. Here's the why. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that, here it comes, so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. There is something that God says, hey, look, yes, I am king of kings. I am Lord of lords. I am master of all things. But I need you to learn how to grow and grow strong. So first he says, be strong. You know what I love about that? Is that God sees you stronger than you see yourself. Right? God found you and me in our weakest, most broken state called sin, but he didn't leave us there. He goes, look, I found you in weakness, but I want you to be strong. That's God's heart for you. So I'm hoping that right now you're going, you know what, Jeff, that's, that's exactly what I want for my life. I want to be strong in the Lord. Because church, listen to me. First and foremost, if you don't want to be strong in the Lord, the rest of this thing all falls apart. God wants you to be strong. So I'm encouraging you to line up your desires, your passions, your expectations with God's. Because God wants you to be strong in him. He wants you to know how to stand firm. So secondly, what he wants then is for you to stand firm against all, not just some, but all the strategies of the devil. 
So if you're one of those people out there that you're like, hey, there's no devil, and there's no devil against me, I just want you to know today, it's not my opinion, God's the one who said it. He said, yes, there is, and there's a devil that's against you. He has strategies to come against you. And God's going, look, I want you to learn how to stand strong against that, okay? So God wants you to be ready when the battle happens. He wants you to be ready when the devil attacks. So that means this, God's clearly telling you and me, hey, by the way, I love you, but I'm not going to rescue you from every attack that the enemy throws your way. Now, if you don't like that, or you didn't know that, I'm sorry, right? Because like true Christianity is this, God is on the throne, he gives us armor so that we can be ready for the battle, but he doesn't rescue us from every battle. Why? Because when we go through spiritual battles, watch this, what happens in our lives? We grow stronger. God wants you to go stronger. That's why he doesn't rescue you from every battle. You grow stronger when you walk through pain. You grow stronger when you learn how to stand firm when all the world's coming against you. That's when you learn how to grow the strongest. That's what God wants for your life. So if he doesn't rescue us from all things, look, it's the same thing as parenting. I, I couldn't rescue my kids from every fight. I couldn't, nor should I have. My kids went to school, they got bullied just like your kids did. They got their emotions hurt by their friends, just like your kids did. You know what I mean? I mean, our kids made bad choices, and they had to experience the consequences of those choices. Now, look, as a parent, I was there. I was there to help put the pieces together. I was there to help them learn from those mistakes. I was also there to help them put the pieces together and learn from the pain that this world was going to bring. I was there, and I was there, thank God, I was there a few times to defend them, but not every time. Because I refuse to be a helicopter parent to come in and try to rescue my kids from every single thing. Be why? Why, was, why did I refuse to do that? Because I didn't want to make them into marshmallow children. I want my kids to be strong. I want my kids to know how to walk through a world full of pain and still stand firm. To not lose their love for, the, for others. To not to lose their love for God. And why? Why did I refuse to be the helicopter parent and come in to rescue them from everything? Because we don't serve a helicopter God. We don't serve a helicopter God. He doesn't come in, rush in, and save us from every single attack that the enemy puts our way. In fact, it's just the opposite. He, he instructs us to do something. And what does he instruct us to do? Go back into the passage of Scripture we just read. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says this, Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It's going to happen. Then after the battle, you will, you will be standing firm. This tells us very clearly there is going to be spiritual battles that come your way, and God's not going to rescue you in every single one of them. But what is God going to do? He's going to give you spiritual armor. See, church, look, it's the love of God that says, I have an armor for you so that you can defeat the enemy. It's the love of God for you that has a desire that you would be standing firm, thriving. That means thriving in the battle and after the battle. Did you realize that? Do you realize that you, God's love for you says, I've got a way, it's called the armor of God, so that you can thrive in the battle and thrive after the battle. How many of you guys would say that's good news? Yeah, yeah it, it, that's the good news of God. So guys, that's God's heart. God wants you to be a people that are standing firm. So how do we do that? Well, we start out with the first piece of armor. 
Do you remember what the first piece of armor was as we just read it out of Ephesians chapter 6? It's the belt. It's the belt of truth. Say the belt of truth. Okay, that's awesome. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Read this with me out loud, please. Stand your ground, putting on the... Now, in Western civilization, the belt has become kind of a fashion element that we, that we wear, right? And, because, and it's also become a very practical piece of clothing that we wear in our Western culture. Now, I'm also referring to you know, Western in the sense of like belt buckle, the belt allows you to display the large belt buckle in some, in some areas of the world, okay? And if you're wearing one of those, praise God for you. I don't even know how you breathe. If I sat down and that thing jammed into my stomach, I would be like, that. that's off now, right? And you might go, well, lose the stomach. And I'd be like, no, I'm keeping that, all right? The belt buckle goes. Others, for others of us, man, it's just the belt, the belt, like it holds our pants up. Come on, somebody, that's a good thing. All right, all right, that's a good thing. So styles change, though, and you even notice some people um, that they don't even wear a belt, right? And there's this whole new, there's new style that's been around for a couple years where, you know, you even tuck the front of your shirt in so that people can see I'm not wearing a belt, right? It's like a fashion statement, and that's cool. I'm good with that. That's fine. And if your pants are tight enough to stay up, praise God for you, all right? But there's other people, right? Some people, um, they, don't, they don't wear belts, and they need to wear belts, because their pants are down here someplace. I'm just telling you, your pants are down here. I don't need to see the color of your underwear. I didn't go out the door that day to go, oh, wow, blue. The color of blue is in today. Oh, I didn't know that. Man, I need to go get some new underwear. Like, no, pull your pants up, please. And then there's other people you need to tighten your belt. Because when you bend over, I get more of a show than I asked for. Right? Now, don't elbow the person next to you, all right, if that's one of them. But I'm just saying, like, the belt is a practical piece. Now, thank the Lord we're not talking about that physical belt, right? We're talking about a spiritual belt. Now, when this passage of Scripture was written, it was common that men would be wearing a piece of clothing that would look more like a robe. Okay, they didn't have pants. Okay, so they put it on over their head. They had their arms through the holes, and then it kind of went down. It went down at different lengths for different purposes, And here's why they put the belt on. Here's the reason why the belt is where you start. The belt of truth that that, uh, Paul was referring to here was one that would go around that extra clothing in that robe, and it would hook on. You would either pull up the robe and then put the belt on to hold the clothes up, or you would put the belt on, take the clothing that was still hanging down maybe by your shins or by your ankles or somewhere like that, and you would take it and you would tuck it in to the belt. Why? So that you could run and you could fight. So when you put on the belt of truth, you were preparing for battle, which is the very same thing that Paul's trying to drive home when he's talking about our hearts and our minds. He's going, look, when you put on the spiritual belt of truth, you're preparing for battle. So what is the spiritual belt of truth? It is knowing the teachings of Jesus and allowing the authority of Jesus to reign and rule in your life. That is the belt of truth. Jesus said this about himself in John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the truth. If you know me and you know my teachings and I am the supreme authority of your life, then you are literally, in a spiritual sense, putting on the belt of truth. Now, how often do we put that belt of truth on? 
Well, man, you, you put it on and then you keep it on. That's the point. This is not something that you put on, take off, put on, take off. When we became followers of Jesus Christ, we were introduced to this belt. Jesus, you are my leader, you're my Lord. Everything you say is true, okay? And then we were walking through a process of growing in the knowledge of who he is, and as we were doing that, we were putting on the belt. Now, what happens is that we get comfortable in our Christianity, right? And then that belt starts to loosen up a little bit because we're not studying the the ways of Jesus, The authority of Jesus starts to slip in our life, and that belt starts to get loose. If the belt gets loose and the clothing drops, you're not ready to fight. You're not ready to flee the enemy. You're not ready for battle anymore. So we've got to stay honed in. We've got to stay close to the knowledge of what Jesus teaches and keep him as the supreme authority on our hearts. So when you're leaning in to understand, you're reading scripture, you're praying, you're in the presence of God like you are today here at New Life Church, And you are putting on the belt of truth. And that's awesome because here's the problem. We live in a world full of spiritual lies. I I know you know this, but we live in a world full of spiritual lies. And people called Christians are being deceived and they're walking away from the truth of who Jesus is because they're buying into this lie that is all around us. It's like a cancer. Now, let me just ask you this question. If, if actual cancer, if there was a proven vaccine, okay, a proven vaccine that would eradicate all cancer, that you could never get any kind of cancer, can I just say this? No matter what you believe about vaccines, if it was proven and you would never get cancer if you had it, you'd be a fool not to take it. Jesus, my friends, is the vaccine to the lies of this world. Knowing Jesus and his ways and having him as the supreme authority of your life is like getting vaccinated against a disease in this world that will kill you. And it's called spiritual deception. And it's the lies that the enemy is throwing out there and, and drumming up against our, our, our world and against Christians. Recently, in September of 2020, there was a survey that was done on the state of theology. That was the survey. I know it doesn't sound exciting for many of you. But the state of theology, which means this, what does our nation, and specifically what, does, what do people who call themselves Christians believe about God? And so it breaks down the questions about God into multiple different factors, and it was staggering, guys. Staggering to see what evangelical Christians were believing as truth that were really lies in our world today. That it showed that evangelical, evangelical Christians are being deceived with all kinds of different lies right now. Now, what is an evangelical Christian? Well, you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're an evangelical Christian, right? That is basically, traditionally, it means, hey, it's a group of people that they believe that the God's word is infallible. It's perfect. They believe that Jesus came, died on the cross, God's only son, but fully God, fully man, died on the cross to set us free from our sins, and that it's only by the grace of God that we're saved. And what what they found out in this study is that many evangelical Christians have been deceived. They're believing spiritual lies. I just want to highlight three of those spiritual lies that evangelical Christians are believing. And watch and see. See if any of this stuff sets true inside of your own heart. The first thing that they said that they were believing that's a lie is that Jesus isn't the only way to God. I want you to notice the percentage, though. 56% of evangelical Christians now believe in America that there are multiple ways that God receives worship. 56%. 
That means here at New Life, potentially, 56%, over half of you may believe in one way or another that God receives worship then from multiple different religions, not just through Christ. That means this, that over, over half of the church believes that God receives worship from Islam, God receives worship from Judaism, and God receives worship from Christianity. I just want you to know right now, there's a problem with that. Here's the problem. Those who call themselves Muslims are Islam faith, right? They don't believe in the same Jesus that you and me believe in. They believe that Jesus was a good teacher, but they don't believe that Jesus was the son of God. They don't believe that Jesus came down on the cross to save humanity. They believe in a different Jesus than the one that you and me believe in. So no, it's not the same Jesus. Jews, the Judaism right now, Judaism doesn't even believe that, that Jesus, the Son of God, has actually come. So they don't believe that the Jesus you and me worship came, and they don't believe that he died on the cross, and they don't believe that we have to put our faith in him so that our sins might be forgiven. They're still waiting for the Son of God to come in some form, shape, or capacity. So no, it's not the same God. It's not the same Jesus. We're not worshiping the same one. And so right now, there's, there's been a lie that's permeated the church. Why? Because the belt of truth is not cinched. The belt of truth has not been put on. We have drifted from the teachings of Jesus and from the authority of Jesus. And now 56% of evangelical Christians believe that Jesus isn't the only way to God. Which then leads to another lie, that Jesus was created by God. 73% of evangelicals believe that Jesus was the first thing that God created. Now I just want to sit here for a second. Because for some of you, you might go, what's the problem with that? Like, what's the problem? Like, God, God his son, he created his son. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what it is? And I think that's where the great deception comes in, why it's such a high percentage in the church, 73%. Here's the problem. If you believe that Jesus was created by God, then here's the problem. That means that Jesus isn't God. Jesus is God. He wasn't created by God. This lie, it permeated the early church in the fourth century. The fourth century church almost imploded. Christianity almost died right then and there. And the spiritual leaders of the time, they rose up and they started giving like sound, profound teaching, and they crushed that lie in the fourth century, only to find that now 73% of evangelicals believe it again. It's back and it's back in power. And here's part of the problem, that we believe, like church, here's the, here's, here's the truth, we believe that in the Trinity of God, that God is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is three in one, but with three distinct parts. So when you believe that Jesus was created by God, then you diminish the deity and you diminish the authority of Jesus in your life. And that starts eroding the belt of truth. So here's what we got to get back to. we got to get back to a firm grip of understanding that, no, Jesus wasn't created by God. Jesus is God. Amen? All right. Now here's, here's, what it, here's the next lie, though, that they believe, which you're going to go, well, that's obvious after everything else you just heard that Jesus is not God. Did you realize that 43% of evangelicals believe that Jesus was just a good teacher and, he's, and that he wasn't God? And that means that at New Life Church, potentially 43% of us might believe that Jesus was just a good teacher, but he isn't God. Guys, there's a problem with that. If you believe this, that means this, that the teachings of Jesus have become more subjective in your life instead of actual truth. And if that happens, the belt of truth starts coming off and you're no longer prepared and or able to fight against the deception that the enemy is bringing against this nation, our world, and the church, and your life. 
You're not prepared for it because the belt comes off, the clothing drops, you're tripping all over yourself. That's a big problem, right? Jesus said in John 30, or, or 1030, he says, I and the Father are one. That was his words, not mine. That means that the foundation of Christianity, church, is this. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. He is God. So how do we protect ourselves from these types of lies that are out there? Well, let's do this. Let's listen to what Jesus said to do. He said this in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. It says this, that Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Which, by the way, can we stop right there? Jesus said to the people who believed in him. The people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? But it also means that Jesus is God. And that the teachings of Jesus are perfect, Okay? And that through Christ and Christ alone, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. So Jesus is speaking to those who believe that. If you believe that, come on, would you just put your hands together and would you clap if that's what you believe? All right. All right. So to you, to you who just clapped, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how do we put on the belt of truth? How do we prepare our hearts for this battle of deception that is raging all around us? Jesus said exactly what to do. He said this, remain faithful to my teachings. That's what he said. Remain faithful to my teachings. Guys, we believe, we believe spiritual lies. Spiritual lies take root in our life when we drift from the teachings of Jesus. So you put on the belt of truth when you remain faithful to the teachings of Jesus and the authority of Jesus stays firmly anchored on the throne of your heart. Spiritual lies, they're all around us. And they're eroding the very foundation of Christianity in our world. They're, they're acting like water and wind and rain would to a house that sits on a cliff Right Where water and rain and wind have eroded the ground from underneath it, Christianity isn't falling because of one day's worth of erosion of lies. It's, it's been happening over time. There's been a slow erosion of the truth, and it's been taking away at the very foundation to try to collapse the very truth of Jesus to a world that desperately needs him to you and your life. And these lies, man, they're, they, they're like they're taking over. So you need the belt of truth more now than ever before. So let Jesus, let Jesus be the supreme authority of your life again. Remain faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Why should you be reading in the Gospels every week? Why should, we, why should you be reading about Jesus and what Jesus said every single week of your life? Why? So that you can remain faithful to his teachings and the erosion of Satan himself that's trying to erode the very foundation of your faith doesn't erode it to a point where the whole house falls. Spend time in the presence of Jesus. So let Jesus remain as the supreme authority. Remain faithful to his teachings and spend time in his presence. If you do those three simple things, guess what you're doing? You're putting on the belt of truth or you're cinching up the belt of truth and you're preparing yourself for the battle that God has for all of us to have to face in this world. If not, then you're putting yourself as the bullseye of the target for the enemy. And he goes, look, there's a Christian with a loose belt. Let's go after them. There's a Christian who doesn't truly know what they believe. Let's go after them. There they are. 
But I'm telling you, I got, I got this sneaky suspicion that, man, when you got that belt cinched down and you're standing there and you spiritually look like you're ready for battle, the enemy goes, we better bring our A game. But his A game is nothing compared to what God has. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Jeff Baker at New Life. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.